0: Love, talk, radio. Hello, hello. Good morning. My name is Rick Napier. I'm the host of the five-star Republican, Republican messaging show. And uh, it's 6 a.m. on the West Coast, so my voice is now starting to um, get fired up. And I haven't had any coffee yet, but I wanted to get this show off the road or on the road. So, what I talk about on the Five Star Republican Messaging Show does not reflect, or does it is not connected with what a political candidate may talk about. Um, so these shows I do in between of having uh, political candidates come on the show are just filler shows of things that I want to talk about that relate to uh, Five Star Republican Messaging. And uh, so how I started this show, or why I started this show, was to help uh, Republicans with messaging. And um, I believe that when you have a consistent message, a five-point message, in fact, people tend to do better. Candidates tend to do better. And it's not uncommon to hear a lot of candidates that are all over the map. You know they can solve world peace. They can solve they can solve famine. They can solve climate change. I mean, you would think that they're little gods. They can solve all these problems. So when bo- voters, you know, show up at the polls, they say to themselves, "Can this person really do what they claim?" I mean, being all over the map, these candidates uh, solving the ant crisis. There's too many ants on the planet. Or You know, just a whole bunch of stuff. So, when a person goes to the polls and they say to themselves, Do I really believe this candidate can do what they claim? And most of the time, the answer is no. And, or sometimes they don't even show up to the polls. And that's even worse. So, five star Republican messaging is about. Having a consistent message to reach out to people. And when you have that consistent message, it is more likely than unlikely that you can remember what you said because your message becomes part of you. And obviously, you must believe in your message. You know, um, my background is is a sales consultant, I used to be a vice president at a Fortune 500 company in Los Angeles. And we used to have – I used to manage 60 sales reps uh, throughout the state of California. And so this messaging thing is something I used to do for a living. And the great thing about messaging is that you can message in a way where the people believe it because you believe it and because it's true. And the contrast to that – now, I'm awake now – and the contrast to that, you can message in a way where the people don't believe it. And guess what? You don't believe it either. And most likely, if people were to do any type of uh, fact check – and I'm I'm not talking about facts, checking facts. I'm talking about a reality check. Uh, If if you say so many different things, people can't – Believe it, the information doesn't stick. So, today's show will not be a show that you can call into, uh, but you can listen to what uh, we have to say, and we will have some guests coming up by the end of the week. And I suspect that we will have even more candidates on the five-star Republican messaging show. So today's show episode title is, There Can Be Black Republicans Just Like There Can Be White Hip-Hop Artists. And I was thinking about this talking to a candidate yesterday. And I saw this video by this rapper. His name is Tom McDonald. And I'm not sure where he's from. To be honest with you, I've never heard of him. Um, But I will tell you that his rap about wokeness uh, was, was blazing social media. It was number one on iTunes, and it was trending on YouTube. And that says a lot <laughs> for a, a, a rapper to be trending on YouTube and iTunes, to be number one on iTunes, because some of these, these platforms... … are supposedly uh, a woke platforms. So when you see this guy Tom McDonald, um, you know, number one on iTunes and trending on YouTube and just blowing up social media, that says a lot. Now, the question that a lot of people may have, and I know I had it maybe, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago, or maybe I had it very little. It, was, it wasn't a big deal for me. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But there, this guy Tom McDonald, he looks like a white guy, you know, and uh, so he is rapping, and he did pretty well, in my opinion, especially as a person who used to be a former club, uh, San Francisco club DJ, and grew up with hip hop in the uh, '80s and '90s. This guy did extremely well, and. He was able to, over time, I'm not sure how long he's been uh, involved with hip-hop or how long that he has embraced hip-hop and and the rap scene. I'm not sure if he was a suburb type and just got caught up into rap like a lot of people do. Or I'm not sure if he's a white guy that grew up in the hood uh, where you know a few white guys do grow up in the hood. And he just fell in love with hip-hop.  … … just like any other person that's a minority, black, uh, Cuban, Puerto Rican. And I said that for a reason. Um, people like that, that embrace hip-hop because it's all around them. But the point of this podcast, uh, uh, the point of this show is if he, Tom McDonald, looks like a white guy, can be a, a great hip-hop hard artist… Why can't black people be Republicans? Why is it that black people are the only people not allowed to think differently? That is the question. And that is the question that, or the the conversation I had with this uh, candidate yesterday. Black people are not allowed to, uh, in a sense, leave the plantation of thought. We're not just not allowed to do it. And when some blacks do uh, uh, observe or show indications of independent thinking, they are criticized and they are vilified. And it's, it's something worth talking about. And I would love to ask some people who are big in the uh, woke scene and, and big in the… Um, You know, making sure that black people keep their thoughts in check with black leaders. I would love to to find out why black be black Republicans or or think about uh, the things that other uh, ethnicities think. In other words, on the Republican side, you have many different types of Republicans of different races and ethnicities. There are white folks. There are uh, i met some Indian Republicans, people from India. I've met a whole bunch of Hispanic uh, Republicans. And I'm not talking about the ones in Miami. I'm talking about the ones in California. 35% of Hispanics voted for Donald Trump in the 2020 election. And even before that, the number has always been at least 25% of California Hispanics that vote Republican. And, you know, other, there's also uh, Jewish Republicans. There are uh, Asian Republicans. I've met a number of those. Uh, I've met, um, you know, people from Europe. Uh, I've met uh, people from many different parts of the world that are part of the Republican Party. And I've known a lot of blacks that have voted Republican, not as many as I would like to see. But I think that's the problem, that's the, the challenge is that a lot of black people think that they have to uh, continue to think as they are been as they have been told uh, from people going back to the sixties and the seventies. And it's a shame. So black people are not allowed to think differently. I just said I said to myself, that's just amazing. That is amazing. And if you, when you look at this guy, Tom McDonald, who is a hip-hop artist, you've got to say to yourself, you know, did he receive any type of pushback from the hip-hop community? And the answer is possibly yes, but it's probably no. If you go back just in the brief history, when I say brief, I'm talking 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, maybe 30 years ago. White hip hop, uh, white hip hop artists or white rappers uh, came on the scene, I believe, in the 80s. And, uh, and I recall I was a club DJ on the West Coast, and I was serving in the military, by the way. And I, I believe the first group was the Beastie Boys, and uh, they had a, a a rap song called. Um, uh, what was it? It was uh, uh, it was it was it was about alcohol. You know, I can't think of the name the name of it right now, but it'll probably pop into my head. Oh, it's called um, uh, White Monkey, I think, or something like that. <laughs> Brass Monkey, that's what it was called. Brass Monkey. I remember partying to that song. I I, I recall playing that song in the club, and um, Brass Monkey. Was a, was, a, was a hit. <laughs> that was a hit in the club. And these guys, I believe they're from New York City. They may have been even Jewish. And uh, they hit the scene and then they had a few other uh, hits, you know, club hits, uh, the Beastie Boys. And then perhaps they faded away. And then you had um, uh, uh, Marky Mark and the, and the Fun Bunch. And you know who Marky Mark is, right? He's the actor. Um, I think his name is Mark something. I'm not sure what his last name is. But he plays in a lot of uh, sort of like uh, pro-American tough guy movies. But Marky Mark and the Fun Bunch based out of Boston was another uh, white uh, hip-hop group that did extremely well. And uh, so there's there have been a number of Great hip hop artist and probably probably the one that people can can uh, think of and put at, at the top of their list in terms of white rappers is probably Eminem. Now that's a guy that actually grew up in the hood in Detroit, and I think um, he grew up in that community of you know south of Eight Mile Road, which is a very uh, popular area in Detroit, and it's like a, the Eight Mile Road is like the division point, I guess, between um, the regular city of Detroit and maybe the uh, the urban area, and I've been to Detroit a couple of times. and never really saw Eight Mile Road, but how it how it is depicted in the movies is that Eight Mile Road is a mainly is a main is a, is a big time urban area of uh, of you know like urban culture, uh, perhaps where a lot of blacks live and things like that. But Eminem. He rocked the house with uh, his his lyrics when he came out, and it was it was quite incredible because I guess the best battle rap that I have ever heard, and I've heard a lot of rap. I mean, there's a lot of uh, 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 raps out there, but battle raps is when you have one rapper who's going up going up against another rapper, and uh, there have been, there have been a lot of rappers. That would uh, have beef, as they say, with with uh, other rappers, and they, they'll do a, um, a rap, and then the other rapper won't like it. And that, then that rapper will do a retaliatory – a retaliation rap against the rap, the previous rapper, so they'll go back and forth. And then on rare occasions, they may meet, and I'm not sure if all of it is for show because at some point, some of these people draw guns. And uh, they go after each other uh, maliciously, but the Eminem rap, when he was on stage with uh, Clarence, you know, in the movie Eight Mile, that was probably the best battle rap that I've ever that I've ever seen. I mean, that was the ultimate, Um, and I mean, it was just nice. You know, so you're talking to a guy now. You're listening to a guy now that used to be a club DJ. You know, I just recall a lot of different things that have happened in hip hop. I wouldn't say that hip hop is my number one genre right now, not because I'm in my 50s or anything, but because it just changed. It got it got ugly. And um, you know, when it first started, it was fun. It was uh, delightful. It was humorous. And I recall. You know, being in LA and riding around in a a car with a friend of mine, and when NWA came out and they had a song that pretty much said it said it was "fuck the police," I said, "Ah, that's a little bit over the top." (laughs) And I'm not—I don't really want to ride around the car with this playing. You know, as we drive past LAPD, you know, cops. (laughs) So I'm just uh, not—I'm not a. Uh, you know, cops are not number one on my hate list. In fact, they're not on the hate list at all. So the last thing I wanted to do was ride around in a car in South Central Los Angeles with a song titled Fuck the Police. Um, just not part of me. But back to this, uh, how there can be black Republicans, um, just like there can be white hip hop artists. That's quite. A a, a discussion to have, because when you look at, we're mainly talking about Black Democrats who uh, try to uh, keep Black voters on this plantation, and it is literally a plantation. When I used to hear the word being on the plantation, I used to think, you know, what does that mean? Now I got to tell you something. I was not raised around pro-slavery conversations at home. And I grew up in the hood. And I would say my friends that I grew up with in South Florida, we never heard about um, you know, slavery to, a, to an extent where it's always talked about. And I, I recall the first time I heard about slavery on a, on a, on a big level was when I watched the movie Roots uh, with uh, Alex Haley, Haley, the guy that produced it, produced it and directed it. And that was my first time. I think I was like maybe 14 or 15 or something. That was my first time ever knowing about slavery. Parents didn't talk about it. My grandparents didn't talk about it. My aunts and uncles didn't talk about it. None of my cousins. I have a lot of cousins, um, and I got you know two or three brothers and sisters. But we didn't. We never talked about it. And when when the movie Roots came out, that was like. Whoa, you know, in my opinion, I was like, "Wow, that, that that really happened," but it wasn't something that I said, "Okay, now I'm going to start embracing this 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 slavery thing, this uh, this slavery movement, and and uh, trying to figure out, you know, what happened," because I was on track as a as a student. And I was getting great grades, and I was doing great things in school. And I had a very diverse set of friends. I had friends that were white. I had friends that were um, from the Caribbean, uh, like like part of my family is is. I have friends that were Cuban and Puerto Rican. And uh, one of the one group of friends I never had was I never had any Asian friends because during that time when I was growing up in Florida, I never met any Asians. There, I'm sure there may have been one or two, but I never identified them, nor did I have any friends from like China or the Philippines or or South Korea or Vietnam or Thailand or Malaysia. Just never had any friends um, that were Asian, and I guess I can add India to that list too or uh, Pakistan. Never had any friends that were Asian growing up. In sunny South Florida, so like I was saying, you had these, you got these, these political people, these um, community people, that for a long time, I would say, since maybe the 70s and 80s, they've always tried to push this um, this pro-slavery thing on people, and now it has picked up a lot. At least when I say a lot, I don't mean that it's like. Um, I mean, it's on. It's in the news because the media has a big mic- megaphone and a, and a big video camera, so they push it. But you don't hear people on the streets talking about it. You don't. I don't see any um, hesitation or reluctance or any type of of um, conversations among white people about slavery. Uh, you might find it like in these these metro. Mega cities like Oakland and San Francisco and maybe New York perhaps Atlanta but just regular day people ordinary people they're not talking about this and uh, but again it's really something the politicians and the community people activists are talking about and what I'm trying to say this morning listeners is these people, these community activist people, they're basically saying Republicans, you can't, I mean, or, or black people, you can't think differently. You can't have any thoughts of, of ever supporting candidates. And I want to tell you the guy who did a lot to uh, bring a lot of uh, blacks out to support him was Donald Trump. Yeah, I know. Uh, 75 million people voted for Donald Trump and less voted for Joe Ziden. And a lot of Republicans or a lot of black people voted for Donald Trump. I did twice. I voted for him in 2016, and I was very excited to vote for him again in 2020. You see? So. You know, And there's a lot of other people that I know that uh, voted for uh, Donald Trump. I'm talking about black folks that voted for Donald Trump. And they voted for Donald Trump uh, primarily because he was good in messaging. And that was one of the reasons why I started the five-star Republican messaging show because messaging works. And when I said – like I, I said at the beginning, not messaging – Like some of these candidates, especially these Democrat candidates who message and like one of them, the ones that just tickles me to death. What's several that tickles me? So I'll talk about two. I'll give you a West Coast version and I'll give you an East Coast version. The West Coast version is Maxine Waters. She just tickles me to death. She takes a subject and has tunnel vision and doesn't even... um, bring any factual you know, data points or factual relevance to what she claims is uh, uh, racism and things like that. She just tickles me to death, and I know for sure no one really takes her serious. That's why I know they must have cheated in her district for her to win because <laughs> – let me tell you something about California before I get to the East Coast person. Um, California… is one of these states where I believe the Democrats have been cheating for a long time. I believe they have been cheating in elections probably since the 90s because when you look at the rallies or the protests or the the, the marches that happened in California in favor of Donald Trump… You would say, how in the world did the Democrats uh, win elections in in California? And I'm talking about areas that were traditionally uh, Democrat, I would think, like Beverly Hills, Fairfax, which is in like the west Los Angeles County or the the northwest side of of, uh, Los Angeles. You had 1,000-person rallies going down Rodeo Drive and and then Fairfax, uh, which is right next to Beverly Hills. You had in other parts of California, in San Bernardino and in other communities like in Newport Beach and and, uh, Anaheim and Irvine, you had multiple thousands of people uh, marching in the streets and rally in support of of Donald Trump. Here in Northern California, Uh, you had Marin County, which is where all the rich uh, San Francisco people live. You had people with Donald Trump flags all over Marin County. And the same can be said in in Sacramento County. Now, the part that's very interesting about uh, California and Donald Trump, you had an overwhelming number of Hispanics supporting Donald Trump. See, the, the thing people need to know the Hispanics in California, they, some of them who may be illegal aliens or undocumented, they left a bad situation in Central America and Mexico. And the last thing they want to see is the same kind of stuff they left in Central America and, 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 and Mexico come to the, to the United States. You know, I've been to Mexico five times, I was just in Mexico two months ago. And I will tell you, a lot of these people are working hard trying to make a dime in Mexico. I was in Tijuana. or well, They call it Tijuana. I was in Tijuana about two months ago, and I saw people working hard just to make 10 to $15 or $20 per day. They have a form of Uber, which I don't think it's like Uber. I think it's like independent drivers. Well, they will drive you around uh, if you need to get to a certain destination. Uh, maybe two, three miles. You'll you'll pay them five dollars. And and these cars that these uh, people, these Mexicans in Tijuana are driving, they're not like nice cars. They need shocks. They need suspensions. Sometimes the the um, the uh, seat belts don't work. Um, the, the the rubber insulation around the doors is coming are coming off. So. You know, these people are working hard, so when they make it to America, they don't want any crap. They don't want any type of government uh, crap that they saw in Mexico and in uh, Honduras and in Guatemala. They don't want it. So when I spoke with a few Mexicans, I saw Mexicans wearing Trump shirts.  … Here in California, so the person on the East Coast that just tickles me to death is this—I think her name is Alexia or Alexia or Ocasio-Cortez. I think that's her name, Alexia or Alex or something like that. Uh, she just tickles me to death because what comes out of her mouth is just straight up stupid. I mean, this is she says she has an economics degree. Um, well, I have an economics degree. Let me tell you, and the, the economics that I studied. It's not the same economics that she studied, although I know the two sides of economics. There's the Keynesian side, which is like the government central committee side, like the socialist side, and then there's the Adam Smith side, the, the, the capitalist side. So I know the two sides, and she seems like she didn't get neither one of the sides corrected or didn't learn either one of the sides, but she just tickles me to death. And uh, you know former uh, uh, bar maid or bartender there in New York, but she just tickles me to death, and uh, what comes out of her mouth is just totally stupid. So, um, in terms of club DJs again, I recall, you know, when you look at uh, people, they I I think the, the phrase they use is cultural appropriation. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but I think it means when one ethnicity assumes braces another eth- ethnicity. I could be wrong. you know these words didn't exist 20, thirty years ago when I was in my 20s. but you know this cultural appropriation, um, it seems like sometimes blacks get mad when other people. Uh, say, hey! I want to try that. I want to wear my. I want to wear my hair in braids or qu- cornrows. I remember the first time I saw a white guy with um, with with the with the rastafarian look with the hair. You know, in the rastafarian look, it was a white guy and he was from Iowa. <laughs> it tickled me to death, and he was 100% in to. The, rough, the fire and stuff, you know, and all the stuff that they do with that thing. Um, but the, the interesting story that I have, which is kind of like why can't, uh, you know, why can't there be black Republicans when there's everybody else doing what they do and what they have embraced that may be, be considered black culture? I, re- I was in the military with this guy. His name was um, Dave Ramirez, and he was from the Bronx, from the South Bronx, specifically, right outside of Harlem. And he was a club DJ, and we were in the military together, and I connected with him, you know, met him in the, uh, the chow hall for the dining center, and uh, he was telling me that he was, uh, was going to start DJing at the, um, at the club on base. We called it the Airman's Club, where all the people that were not MCOs went. And um, so I said, hey, let me tag along. You know, when I was in Florida, when I was 17 years old, I used to hang out with these Armenian guys. And father and the older son uh, ran a club in Brandon, Florida called Disco Inferno. And I had a chance to sit there with the techniques, turntables, quartz. Uh, stylus and uh, quartz uh, you know, a turntable. Not belt-driven, not belt-drive. <laughs> no belt-driven uh, turntables if you're trying to mix stuff, but it was uh, a great experience. So so DJ Dave, that was his stage name, he used to say, hey man, you know, meet me a couple of hours and let's unload the uh, speakers. And connect all the wires, and uh, and and I'll let you hang out with me. And DJ Dave, I got to tell you something, DJ Dave. If you didn't know that he was Puerto Rican, you would think that you were listening to a black DJ in terms of how he mixed, how the records he chose. Um, he chose a lot of uh, black urban artists. And sometimes he would, you know, chose he would choose uh, some artists with a little uh, a Hispanic, Latino sound. But DJ Dave, if you didn't know he was Puerto Rican, you would think that DJ Dave was black. DJ da- Dave had the demeanor of a rapper. He, he hardly ever talked on the on the DJ set. Now growing up down south. There was a lot of black DJs that would just talk through the records. I know some of you know what I'm talking about. They would play a record and they would like talk over it and and talk through it. And, uh, you know, like they were trying to talk during while the song was played. I never did that. DJ Dave never did that. And I, you know, when I started DJing on on my own in San Francisco, I never did that. That was probably the most unprofessional thing that a person could do, which, which is talk over a record. So DJ Dave, he gave me the, the – the, he showed me the ropes about how to mix two records. This, this is before some of these, these Apple um, – these, 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 these products where you can – or these uh, tech systems that shows you the BPM and, and allows you to mix records without any uh, hiccups. Now I'm talking about the original mixers. Uh, DJ Dave, myself, and a few other people, we used to mix records based on what we heard in the earpiece, and uh, take two records that one may be 110 beats per minute, one may be 106 beats per minute, and we would slow one down, speed one up, and uh, we would get them uh, those records in the mix and synced, and uh, either you know uh, take a little uh, take little clips. Uh, from that song and run them back and speed, you know, scratch them, or we would uh, simultaneously play that record through the parts of the song that made musical sense. That was uh, like a musical genius, and uh, then proceed on with the the second record and fade out the first record. So, like I said, DJ Dave was that guy who was Puerto Rican, which you know you would never know it unless you talk with him. And you, get, you got a chance to meet him. So that's why I was saying black republicans, yes, they can exist just like white rappers can exist, just like uh, any ethnicity that um, adopts culture outside of their native culture. Yes, they can exist. So now you see a lot of uh, Indian people… You know, ad- adopting sort of white culture, and to be honest with you, a lot of Indian people grew up with white culture because India used to be a colony of Great Britain, of the United Kingdom. So it's it's more appropriate for them, I guess, to uh, have that uh, uh, opportunity and love to the love of the, of the white culture, of the British uh, culture, because a lot of them grew up with it because. Like I said, India used to be a colony of Great Britain. And the same can be true for blacks growing up in America. You know, blacks have been, and I would say blacks are probably the closest uh, ethnicity that has embraced white culture than any uh, ethnicity in America. I recall growing up as a kid, I used to watch Little House from the Prairie and Leave it to Beaver. And, I, and not once did I think, oh, I'm, I'm watching a white show. I was watching a good show, a show that I watched a lot. And the same is true for Gilligan's Island and, and Hogan Heroes. And, uh, and I also watched uh, Fred Sanford, Sanford and Son. I watched The Jeffersons. I watched a lot of shows because they were good shows. I did not watch the shows because... Um, They had only black people in it. I watched shows because they were good shows. I also watched black movies like Dolomite and and Superfly and um, Uptown in Harlem and Shaft and uh, many of the other uh, black exploitation movies. And some of those movies I snuck into. So I just want to tell you, I snuck into some of those movies. I gave them money. They took it. Or sometimes my friend let me in on the side door and we sat and watched some of these movies. Yeah, so, you know, the five star Republican messaging show. We're going to have some great candidates on the show to talk about uh, why they're running and why it is important for not just white people to vote for them, but especially black people to vote for them. Even though black folks represent about 13%, 14% of the population, it does make sense for black people, especially now, under this current administration of Joe Ziden um, It makes sense because – see, here's the thing. People can say whatever they want to say about uh, capitalism… ...and uh, Donald Trump, but people need money, and people need money that they earn. A society and a country will not survive if the government continues to just hand out the checks. Uh, America became a great place, a great country, because of our productivity. And you can see the fruits of our productivity... By looking at what some people have achieved in their life, uh, in their lives, people like like uh, uh, LeBron James, who's worth maybe a half a billion dollars, maybe more, maybe less. But he started out putting a round ball into a round steel circle, and he did that so well. And and basketball was like a, a you know great sport that people. Uh, like to play, and some people like to watch. Uh, somebody said, "Hey, we'll give you a couple. Of, we'll give you some money to put the round ball in a round steel circle." He may have, you know, LeBron James may have gr- grown up in Kenya or Tanzania or the Republic of Congo, not have received millions of dollars to put a round ball in a round hole. You know, you see, so, and then you have actors like Denzel Washington, you have, um, other, uh, you know, sports celebrities, you have, you know, movies, movie stars that had the great opportunity to make a lot of money in America. So the point I'm trying to make is, you know, we need to return to that quickly. We need to be, under the leadership of, what, of how Donald Trump was leading the country. Because you had a lot of blacks that were starting to become very successful. Uh, they, you saw blacks that were starting to go back to work. You saw factories that were starting to reopen in the Midwest and build stuff. Do you know that 90% of the stuff in my house is made in China? I even saw the other day. I looked at a can of uh, mackerel. Uh, like a can of fish. And I said to myself, "Okay, this this is probably uh, made and processed in America. This can of mackerel was processed in China. I kid you not; it was processed in China. Some freaking fish that you know my family is about to eat was processed in China. You mean to say we could not find a mackerel anywhere on?" The Atlantic coast, the Pacific coast, the Gulf of Mexico, um, you know, anywhere closer than China, even my phones and, and, and some of my electronic equipment made in China, socks made in China, shoes made in China. And the company that seems to be pushing this even more… I'm not even sure if I can mention their name. I tell you what, I won't. But you know what? You know who I'm talking about—the company that pushes the biggest volume of Chinese products. And it's probably two companies out there. But I know I can mention Home Depot because I just finished uh, working on a deck, and <clears throat> some of the things I bought in Home Depot to fix the deck or to or to, to build this deck was made in China. You know, I'm, I'm looking at some some work gloves made in China. You know, I'm looking at some nails that I need to buy to uh, put together the deck made in China. See, Trump was was on the path to fix that. He was on the path to bring all that work back to the USA and put Americans to work so that they can make a decent living. As we conclude this show, this show is going to probably be a 40-minute show. And uh, this is the first one I've done. Uh, Now, I've done done over 500 podcast episodes. So I'm not a stranger to podcasts and to doing live shows. I have other blog talk radio shows out there that I started and probably ran them up to about maybe 40 episodes. But this one here, the five-star Republican messaging show, I'm going to keep this one going because I actually paid money. To launch this one on Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to keep this going because I suspect something special is going to happen this year. And right now, what I'm seeing, what I am seeing in the political landscape is a whole lot of dissatisfied people with the current administration. I'm starting to see it. I see it every day, I see a lot of things happening. I want to thank you for listening to today's show, the the five-star Republican messaging show, and I want to tell you to stay tuned because we're going to have some candidates come on to the show and talk about their candidacy. And it could be people running for Congress. It could be people running for the House of Representatives. It could be people running for the Senate… It could be people running for governor. Let me tell you, there's a lot of things happening out there. So anyway, take care and make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Five Star Republican Messaging Show on Blog Talk Radio. Bye-bye.